traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Repeating, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. Hey there, I am your mad prophet of the airwaves and welcome once again to Radio Free Canada news notes and opinions from the underground for Tuesday, November, do you remember that month? November the 1st in the year of our Lord 2022. Uh, I am uh, I'm worried about myself sometimes uh, the way what uh, what comes out of my mouth or what doesn't come out of my mouth but I'm also worried about our crime minister the man child I'm worried and I'm being serious here Jacob I am worried that he may have a very serious irony deficiency Have a listen to this using the notwithstanding clause to suspend workers rights um is wrong I know that that Collective bargaining negotiations are sometimes difficult, but it has to happen. It has to be done in a respectful, thoughtful way at the bargaining table. Uh, the suspension of people's rights is something that you should only do in the most exceptional circumstances. And I really hope that uh, all politicians call out the uh, overuse of the notwithstanding clause to suspend people's rights and freedoms. Oh, dear. Uh, who writes this stuff for him? Does he not 
read it first before he opens his mouth. This is the trust fund brat at his finest commenting on, on Ontario Premier Doug Ford and Education Minister Stephen Leche announcing they will, if necessary, they'll invoke the notwithstanding clause in order to pass, what is it, Bill 28, in, in order to make sure that the support staff at public schools across Ontario show up for work on Friday because they're saying they're going to defy the legislation and and I guess there'll be a court challenge that it's unconstitutional. Well, they're going to invoke the notwithstanding clause, which basically means it doesn't matter what the courts say, the law stands. So, Justin saying using the notwithstanding clause to suspend workers' rights is wrong. Suspension of people's rights is something you should only do in the most extraordinary of circumstances. He said that. So, in other words, if school caretakers, secretaries, playground supervisors show up with jumpy castles and start giving away free hot dogs, then it would be okay for Ford to invoke the War Measures Act or use the notwithstanding clause. Got it. Okay. I understand. All right. Uh, Jacob, did you have a good time trick-or-treating last night? You told me you were going to go out as uh, Paul Pelosi's best friend, but then you couldn't find a hammer and it was too cold to go out in your underpants. Isn't that what happened? Maybe, <laughs> maybe next year. There's always next year. Uh, speaking of Halloween costumes, here is the recently red-pilled Bill Maher describing the perfect Halloween costume. What better costume to wear this year than the most ridiculous one I could think of? You. <laughs> this year, I'm going as an uber-woke, overly anxious, perpetually offended 20-something. Would you like to see what I have for this costume? Okay. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Okay. First of all, I have my f*** the patriarchy t-shirt. Oh, yes. And then I have a check from the patriarchy to pay my car insurance. <laughs> okay, I've got my, uh, my nose ring. My, uh, my vape pen. I've got my cloth surgical mask. <laughs> my surgical mask. My N95 mask. And my face shield. Then after I leave the house, I have my clonopin to take the edge off, my Adderall to put it back on. I have my participation trophy, my cat ear headphones to listen to sad music, the stick that goes up my and the leash for my support animal. And just in case anyone still doesn't get what I'm all about, I have a wet blanket. All right. Thank you very much. That's some Halloween costume. A leash for my support animal. <laughs> all right. Ah, scary Halloween costumes. I think the left in America seriously thinking about moving Halloween to November the 8th. I'll tell you, because uh, that red wave that's coming in the midterms is going to be far scarier than Halloween. I'm, I'm looking at the Senate races and the polls right now. Washington State. Imagine deep blue Washington State with woke Seattle. That state Senate seat looks like it's going to be flipped to the red. The GOP candidate looks like it's going to, it's going, it's going to win the race for Senate there. Even deeper blue Oregon. 
It looks like Oregon is about to elect their first Republican governor in about four decades. New York, New York. Republican Lee Zeldin, now leading Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul by two points. Tudor Dixon, she's terrific. The young Republican candidate surging in the polls and could very well defeat Democrat Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Dr. Oz, a Republican, looking like he'll beat John Fetterman and flip Pennsylvania red in the Senate. Likewise in Georgia, Herschel Walker, the GOP candidate, looks likely to win. Nevada, once a blue state, turning red. I'm going to predict after the, the, uh, the 8th of November, the GOP will control the Senate with 55 seats. 55. To 43 for the Dems, but they have two independent senators. Well, they vote Democrats, so basically 55 to 45. That's a huge <laughs> majority. And the Repu- Republicans, of course, will regain the House. That's a foregone conclusion. The only question is, will it be by 30 seats or 50 seats? And there'll be about a half dozen new GOP state governors. And for the left, that's scary. And not even fabricating some wild story about a mega madman in underwear trying to break Nancy Pelosi's knees with a hammer is going to change that. Nobody buys this crazy story. Unless you're crazy. Which would be Hillary Clinton. She's pretty scary. Anyway, the red tsunami is coming. So get your popcorn ready. It's going to be good. Almost equally entertaining is uh, watching Premier Tommy Boy, Dougie Ford, trying to uh, squirm and slither his way out of testifying at the inquiry into the Emergencies Act. And the judge in that case is uh, apparently reserving judgment until November the 8th. So Ford and Sylvia Jones, who's now the deputy premier, their uh, lawyer arguing that compelling them to testify would be a distraction from their duties and that uh, irreparable harm would be the result if they're forced to testify. Irreparable harm. No, you mean Dougie and Sylvia are going to be made to look ridiculous if they're forced to testify. That's what you mean by irreparable harm. And it will be, or it should be, because they've been allowed to skate away from that mess, this whole mess, virtually unscathed, despite the fact they invoked their own version of an Emergencies Act here in Ontario. And it was just as unnecessary as Trudeau's Emergencies Act. So I can't wait for Tommy Boy to be on the stand. Another great popcorn moment. Now, I was going to save this one for Tony Heller tomorrow, but I just can't wait. I mean, I will probably talk about it with him, but, but here it is now. So Greenpeace, Greenpeace has finally acknowledged what most people with common sense have known for a very long time. Recycling plastic is a complete waste of time. A complete and utter waste of time. They're admitting as much. Now, this piece, written by John Tierney, who is a contributing editor to the Manhattan Institute's quarterly publication, City Journal. He writes, Greenpeace has finally acknowledged the truth. Recycling plastic makes no sense. This has been obvious for decades to anyone who crunched the numbers, but the fantasy of recycling plastic proved irresistible to generations of environmentalists and politicians. They preached it to children, mandated it for adults, and bludgeoned municipalities and virtue-signaling corporations into wasting vast sums, probably hundreds of billions of dollars worldwide, on an enterprise that has been harmful to the environment as well as humanity. Now Greenpeace has seen the light. Or at least a glimmer of rationality, he writes. The group has issued a report accompanied by a press release headlined, Plastic Recycling is a Dead End Street. 
Year after year, plastic recycling declines even as plastic waste increases. The group's overall policy remains delusional, however, he says. The report proposes a far more harmful alternative to recycling, but it's nonetheless encouraging to see environmentalists put aside their obsession long enough to contemplate reality. The Greenpeace report offers a wealth of statistics and admirably succinct diagnosis. Quote, mechanical and chemical recycling of plastic waste has largely failed and will always fail because plastic waste is, one, extremely difficult to collect, two, virtually impossible to sort for recycling, and three, environmentally harmful to reprocess, four, often made of and contaminated by toxic materials, and five, not economical to recycle. Greenpeace could have added a sixth reason, forcing people to sort and rinse their plastic garbage is a waste of everyone's time. But then making life more pleasant for humans has never been high on the green agenda. In New York City, recycling a ton of plastic costs at least six times more than sending it to landfill. This according to a 2020 Manhattan Institute study, which estimated that the city would save $340 million annually by sending it all to trash landfills. All right, more on this with uh, Tony Heller tomorrow when we push back against the death cult of climate change. Coming up on today's show, the talented musician from Dallas, Texas, known as Five Times August, will be here last hour. He's outing all of the vicious and hateful pro-lockdown, pro-vaccine, pro-maskers on Twitter who wish death and harm on those of us who resisted the jab. He'll be last order of business hour two. We'll take your calls also in hour two. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Art Moore from WND will be here to discuss how the mainstream media is being torched for their coverage of the Captain Underpants versus Paul Pelosi story. The homeschool advisor, Ruth Gaskowski, will be here to discuss the late school teacher author John Taylor Gatto, who blew the whistle on public education in his book, Weapons of Mass Instruction, and will introduce... A, uh, a series on this very book with Ruth coming up this hour. This hour as well, the U.S. Supreme Court at this uh, very moment seems ready to throw out affirmative action in colleges. In other words, race-based college admissions. Kenny Shu, president of Color Us United, will be here. But first, Sue Ann Levy from True North on a Toronto District School Board survey asking children if they're trans if they know about breast binding, and if they identify as indigiqueer. She's next. The Richard Sarrett Show, off and running for Tuesday, November the 1st. Facta non verba. We're back as The Richard Sarrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. So True North has uh, obtained a copy of a Toronto District School Board survey, a highly intrusive survey. That'll be administered throughout the month of November, and uh, they're going to be administering the survey to uh, grades, well, from grades four through eight, asking them some pretty intrusive, sensitive questions about uh, their feelings, about mental issues, racial and ethnic identities, and, you guessed it, sexuality. Here with more is investigative journalist with True North and the author of Underdog Confessions of a Right-Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker, our good friend Sue Ann Levy. Sue Ann, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Richard. I'm just going to make a small correction. It's going to be administered to grades 4 through 12. Ah. Um, I just received the, the 9 to 12 
uh, survey last evening, so I haven't had a chance to write about it, but it's going to be, it's actually going to be given to students throughout the school system, but the one to three, the parents get to administer with the children. <laughs> oh, they trust the parents to administer it for grades one through three, but the parents will not be there uh, when it's administered through grades four through eight and then nine through through 12. All right. So let's unpack this <laughs> this survey a little bit. What uh, this is a, a fairly lengthy survey, as I understand, something like 65 questions. What are they asking? Well, actually, the the uh, high school one is 97 questions. It is so long that they suggest in the middle that kids need more than one period to do it and that they should take a break halfway in between. I mean, it's it's just an absurd, absurd and intrusive uh, document that was um, created by social activists and signed off on and reviewed, peer reviewed by all the most radical leftists in our faculties of education. Uh, And I'm guessing this this uh, survey did not come up during uh, election for school t- for school boards in uh- not a peep not a peep and in fact i was just actually before i came on with you i was just checking the toronto district school board site and they have removed all trace of because november was supposed to be student census month they've removed all trace of the census and in order to access it you have to sign on using some code and um, they're using the Ontario Disabilities Act as the reason that the accessibility can't be granted because of that. I don't know what the heck they mean, but. Well, they're trying you know. to hide it from us, obviously. They're trying of to course, hide it. Of course. Of so course. What kind of what kind of uh, sexualized concepts are they asking these small children about? Well, the, the kids that are in uh, four to six are being asked what their gender identity is. I mean, I don't even think at that age they know, uh, you know, much about boys, girls and, you know, much about trans, the trans, uh, I don't want to call it lifestyle, but, you know, a decision to be trans. Um, They're asked about their gender identity and then they're asked uh, a couple, they're given a couple of possibilities, including um, the word indigiqueer comes out. Indigiqueer. Right. Indigiqueer. Yes, I can't even pronounce it. I never even heard that <laughs> word before. I was practicing before we came on. So. <laughs> and, and so that would be if you're indigenous and queer. And you queer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and what, what do they propose to do with this information? Do we know? Oh, God knows. Um, groom the kids, you know, say that they have a huge problem. Um, you know the expression push-pull, or do you know the meaning of a push-pull, where they actually throw something out and they push people? It's it's actually exactly what it sounds. They push the respondents to think that they are, or manipulate them to think that they are mentally ill, for example, or uh, have uh, gender issues, they're gender fluid. Um and I think that this is a very suggestive survey. I mean, poor kids, I would find it confusing at the age of eight or nine to be asked whether I'm gender fluid. I'm 59 almost, and I'm confused by all of this. 
Uh, Sue Ann, we'll take a quick time out. Sue Ann Levy, investigative journalist with True North, will continue to uh, discuss this TDSB survey asking elementary school kids, well, and high school kids, but, you know, I'm most concerned about the, the youngest of them, uh, if they're trans, if they know about things like breast binding, and if they are indigiqueer. Back with more of our conversation right here on Saga 960. Stay with us. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. Talking about the Toronto District School Board survey, asking very sensitive, inappropriate questions for uh, school uh, uh, students, really right from uh, grade one all the way to grade 12. If you're in grade one to three, your parents can sit with you and, and um, go through this lengthy, intrusive a survey asking again sexualized questions. Uh, if you're uh, four through uh, grade uh, twelve, you'll be given time. I guess during class. I guess the the one saving grace, as you point out, Sue Ann Levy, who joins us from True North, is that this is voluntary. Correct. Yes. And I think the more parents find out about it, because their reaction has just been phenomenal to my first story. I think more parents find out about it, the more they're going to uh, say, "No way, am I going to allow my children." I've actually heard from some parents who are just slowly receiving the uh, survey. So some of the questions, um, and you again, this is mentioned in your in your story at True North, tnc.news, tnc.news. Um, the, uh, the students will be asked about uh, if they've learned about non-gendered menstrual products. <laughs> non-gendered menstrual products. So what are we talking about? Tampons for trans men, in other words. Yes, because you do know that according to the education director of the Water School Board, men can menstruate. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, Queens of Ancient Egypt. When pharaohs held the throne, their wives held the power. We see her taking precedence over the pharaoh, an absolute mastermind. All hail the queens. This is unprecedented. Watch Queens of Ancient Egypt now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Dear Lord, help us all. Okay. I say, dear Lord, help us all. <laughs> but at 59, you're probably going through menopause, right? I, I guess so, by their logic, by their twisted logic. A, a, a child uh, in grade four shouldn't even know, or a grade three or two should not know about uh, menstrual products, period. Uh, no pun intended. Sorry, that didn't come out right. But they should not, they should not know about these things, let alone 
uh, non-gendered menstrual products. They're well, they, also, sorry, go ahead. They do save that for seven, grade seven and eight, but I think that's still highly sophisticated because, you know, you're, you were just about to mention, they ask about breast binding. Yes. And uh, packing and tucking. Packing and so, tucking. Oh. Patting and tucking one's male aperture, aperture, you know, to pretend that you're not male. Uh, so you're getting um, tremendous feedback from parents. Obviously, they're not happy about this. Uh, I mean, are they still holding, is the TDSB still holding, like, not not virtual over Zoom, but live school board meetings where parents can attend and voice their objections to this nonsense? Yeah, just remember that they voted in a whole new slate of trustees, and uh, they're even more progressive than the last slate, except for one gentleman, uh, Dr. Uh, Wei Dong Pai, who, who beat out the school board chairman. I was happy about that in Willowdale. Um, so they will have their organizational meeting in the middle of November, and then the, the regular meetings start right after that. So I would advise parents to pay far more attention. It's interesting you should ask that because... I interviewed a woman, a black single mom from Jacksonville, who is fighting critical race theory down in, down in the States. And she just tweeted last night that the fight just continues. And I said, it is so firmly entrenched in our school system now. They don't even, they're not even embarrassed about admitting it. And this survey is proof of it. They, you know, they, in the survey for all uh, grades, they, Ask students to choose from five different possibilities of black. You could be a black from Africa, a black from the Caribbean, a black from, I don't know, but, and then five different categories of indigenous. Like, what does it matter? You're indigenous or you're black. Does it matter where you come from? Right. They just, they're constantly trying to scratch at something and, and trying mm. to create divisiveness and, and, um, yeah, it's, and with these young, impressionable, vulnerable minds, it's, it's really, uh, unacceptable and, and parents should be outraged. And I hope that they attend these school boards and, and, uh, voice that, uh, their, their outrage in a, obviously in a peaceful and respectful way, yeah. but they have to show up to these school board meetings. Or pay attention. You know, it's it, if they don't pay attention, then they're just going to continue to get away with this nonsense. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the fact that this has come out and the fact that people have sent this confidential survey and the school board is just trying to sweep it under the carpet. Look, yesterday, another young man was shot at a school. Mm. This survey asks nothing about public safety. It only asks if you feel safe. Uh, if you have a safe space to go, if you're mentally ill in a school or if you feel unsafe in all gender washrooms, this is how out of whack they are with the reality of what's going on in their schools. Sue Ann Levy, investigative journalist with True North, TNC.news, and uh, also the author of Underdog, Confessions of a Right-Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker. Sue Ann, great work as always. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Have a good evening. You too. All right. As we speak, the U.S. Supreme Court is... Uh, ruling on whether it is time to get rid of affirmative action on U.S. college campuses. In other words, end uh, uh, affirmative action or or um, race-based admissions in colleges and universities. Kenny Hsu is next. He is the uh, president of Colorus United. Back with that conversation in three minutes. 
You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. The uh, U.S. Supreme Court yesterday began hearing a uh, very important case. And uh, according to a number of observers, the U.S. Supreme Court may be ready to overturn race-based college admissions. Here to discuss Kenny Shoup, president of Colorist United, which advocates for a colorblind society, and he's also a journalist and author of An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. Kenny, welcome back. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me again. My pleasure. This is a huge case. Um, so we're, we're hearing that the, the, the Supreme Court seems poised uh, to reverse uh, race-based college admissions. Um, what is your sense? Uh, are you expecting them to overturn it? And, and um, when do you think this, this, this ruling could come down? I am expecting them to overturn, the, uh, to overturn race-based admissions. And the reason why is because, well, we have the stronger argument. At this point, race-based admissions has become nothing but a, a way for people to get away with lower quality test scores and lower quality grades, lower quality teacher recommendations, uh, but to get into college anyway because they pander to a racial victimhood narrative. Um, there is no way that this could turn out well. And what you see, and the reason why is because of the story of Asian Americans. Look, Asian Americans have done nothing to deserve the treatment that they're getting from Harvard University. Um, they study really hard. They study twice as many hours as the average American. They have the highest SAT scores. They're rated highest academically, highest extracurricularly. But definitively, Harvard imposes a racial penalty against them through the use of what they call a personality score. Uh, that rates Asians lowest out of all of the races, even black, uh, Hispanic, and white people, so that they could artificially curb the number of Asians to get into the school. That's what's happening. Uh, and this is a result of this obsession with race that they have. Uh, so this, this personality score, uh, what is it? If, if the, the, the Asian applicant doesn't seem to have, I don't know, uh, a sense of uh, a sense of humor or something that counts against them. How does that work? Right. I mean, the personality score measures things like what they call likability, humor, leadership characteristics, getting along. And, uh, you know, in all the measures of the personality score, Asians score very high um, that on any of the objective measurements uh, there, they have the highest alumni recommendation scores, the highest teacher recommendation scores, second highest guidance counselor recommendation scores. They're killing it. Um, but uh, Harvard, of course, uh, wants to find some way that they can dock Asian applicants on their merit-based application process, so they artificially lower them in the personality score. So if this is overturned, um, what, what happens next? That, that all colleges and universities will be forced to admit students or applicants based on merit alone. Um, could this also spread out into, uh, you know, wider society, in other words, an end to, to, to all affirmative action programs? Well, I'm not sure. It depends on their ruling, right? I hope for a very strong ruling. If they just say, no, you can't use race in admissions, Harvard, they've already figured out ways they could get away with using race in admissions. 
like um, like for example, getting rid of the SAT, which is their key you know measure of accountability uh, to show the racial disparity or the disparities in the races of the people who they admit. Um, what they need is that they need a strong ruling saying, look, the purpose of any kind of admissions process is to find the best qualified candidate. You're not allowed to discriminate on the basis of race, and you should hold yourselves accountable to merit-based standards that Americans have all agreed on. Those standards are SAT scores, grades, extracurricular activities, teacher recommendations. Those are the kinds of things that you should be rating those people on. Um, and, you know, this is that's what I hope to come out of this ruling is a reaffirmation of the meritocracy that Americans believe in. How long has the uh, race-based um, environment been in place? Has it been like since the 60s or, or longer? When did it come about? Well, it started off with uh, Regents of California versus Bakke, which was the 1978 decision. Um, and as I argue in my book, An Inconvenient Minority, it, is, it has since expanded into all sorts of sectors of government affirmative action. Uh, now DEI programs and corporations in America are trying to preferentially hire board members and executives into their companies. And none of this um, is constitutional, but all of this is allowed because of this 1978 um, uh, Supreme Court case. So this has been happening for a long time, I would say at least for the last 40 to 50 years. Wow. And again, uh, how soon do you think we'll get a decision from the court? By next June. Next June. All right. Well, we'll uh, watch this one with interest. And when that uh, decision comes down, we'll get you back on the program, Kenny. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Kenny Shu, president of Colorist United, uh, which advocates for a colorblind society. He's the author of An Inconvenient Minority. Again, the Supreme Court uh, may be poised to uh, overturn racism in higher education overturning affirmative action on college campuses. All right, when we come back, the homeschool advisor. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. The homeschool advisor on The Richard Serrett Show. All right, welcome back. And today we're going to launch into... A, a mini-series on the Homeschool Advisor. I'm not sure how many weeks we'll go with this, but it's an important uh, bit of information that uh, we're going to dole out over the next several weeks. If you haven't heard of a, uh, a former teacher, author, by the name of John Taylor Gatto, you are about to be uh, uh, educated and amazed by who this gentleman was, John Taylor Gatto, and uh, here to tell us about this uh, former New York City teacher is Ruth Gaskowski, experienced homeschooling parent and founder of HumanitasFamily.net. Hey, Ruth, how are you? Great. Enjoying the fall weather, Richard. How are you? Uh, likewise, likewise. All right. So, uh, as I say, this will, um, we're not sure how long this series will go, but there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, first of all, uh, just give us a brief bio of uh, John Taylor Gatto. Sure. So, John Taylor Gatto was a teacher for 30 years in some of the worst and some of the best schools in Manhattan. 
and he was named New York City Teacher of the Year three consecutive years from 1989 to 1991, and he was even New York State Teacher of the Year in 1991. Yet that same year, he wrote a letter announcing his retirement, titled, I Quit, I Think, to the op-ed pages of the Wall Street Journal, saying that he no longer wished to, quote, hurt kids to make a living. Wow. Now, this seems a bit paradoxical, right? One would think that someone who receives these awards is a grand supporter of the educational system. Yet Gatto received these awards not because he was a star within the New York City school, but because he was a saboteur. So he did not follow any of the standard curricula. He bent the rules wherever he could. He worked around the system to provide students with an education that recognized them as unique individuals and not as conformists. So after he retired uh, in 1991, he started a tireless crusade to build resistance to and rejection of compulsory schooling by showing people how you could, how we've really been duped into believing that school is necessary and that we need compulsory government-run schooling. So uh, I was reflecting, and a lot of homeschool connections here in the area as well, how this kind of crusade that he's been on is of particular urgency right now after the last two years of pandemic have demonstrated the effects of what you have when you have an obedient, unquestioning, and uncritical population. And um, so I think uh, the questions he's been raising uh, are really kind of staring at us now when uh, he has shown us that people who believe in freedom will actually never emerge from a system that is based on coercion, as he said. Right. John Taylor Gatto uh, and the author of Dumbing Us Down, The Hidden Curriculum of Compulsory Schooling. And I love this title, Weapons of Mass Instruction. So he was named... Uh, New York City School uh, or Teacher of the Year, three years in a row, New York State Teacher of the Year, 1991. Now, was that based on, I don't know, student feedback or was that based on the results he was getting in class, which is kind of paradoxical again? I actually think it was uh, it was based on both. It obviously had to do with nominations, but his students received awards and um, uh, projects with huge accolades. And it was almost a bit unexplainable because sometimes uh, these were students that were from uh, very underprivileged areas in the Bronx. And he often caused embarrassment, actually, to very wealthy schools that had students that underperformed his very socially poor students. So it was clearly uh, on his students' performance as well as nominations that he received. And as you say, he really was a saboteur because he was not using the, you know, the state-sanctioned curriculum, uh, bending the rules whenever he could. Uh, and he was trying to instill, I'm guessing, like things, you know, critical thinking. Uh, in other words, uh, not just trying to churn out uh, serfs for the, uh, you know, for the uh, the economy or whatever. Um, so, these uh, these two books, dumbing dumbing us down, the hidden curriculum of compulsory schooling and weapons of mass instruction. This is uh, like he's really blowing the whistle on the whole the whole idea of compulsory school and public education. Uh, he is, and it's actually it's a very loud whistle, and it's a very surprising one. I thought I knew a lot about the education system, uh, and I realized I didn't once I started reading his books. And I, I think one of the things that really shines through his books is his very different approach to learning, um, which is something that he calls open source learning. 
which flies in the face of anything that we've ever heard of in school. All right. So that's where we're going to uh, pick up next week. We're going to talk about John Taylor Gatto and uh, what he meant by open source learning. Again, the author of Dumbing Us Down, The Hidden Curriculum of Compulsory Schooling and Weapons of Mass Instruction. Ruth, uh, I'm really excited about this series. This this uh, John Taylor Gatto sounds like an amazing human being. I can't wait to learn more. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you next week. All right. Ruth Gaskowski, founder of HumanitasFamily.net. HumanitasFamily.net. Again, join us next week at this time as we continue this series on John Taylor Gatto. All right. Hour two awaits. Art Moore will be here from WND. We'll talk about how the uh, mainstream media, particularly in the United States, is being absolutely torched for their ridiculous coverage of uh, Paul Pelosi and uh, his attacker, Captain Underpants. And uh, also, uh, we'll open up the phone lines and allow you uh, a few segments to get it said at 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. You might want to get on board early when we open up the phone lines. And uh, also... Uh, the uh, last order of business in hour two, the talented singer-songwriter performer from Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, five times August, uh, will be here. He's uh, he's just been on fire on Twitter, outing all of these hateful and, and vicious pro-lockdown, pro-mask, pro-vaccine uh, individuals that wished harm and even death on uh, those of us that uh, declined to take the COVID vaccine. Uh, he's, uh, he's dug through the Twitter archives and, and uh, found some of their old tweets and is just putting it out there. Five times August, he'll also tell us a little bit more about his uh, brand new uh, LP, The Silent War. All right, Hour 2, The Richard Serrett Show here on Saga 960 returns right after these. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. Welcome to Hour 2, the Richard Serrett Show here on the mighty News Talk Saga 960. And if you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still plenty of great programming coming your way, including five times times August, talented singer-songwriter-performer from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Brad Skistimus is his name. He has a new album out called The Silent War, which is a collection of very Dylan-esque type protest songs. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, The Real Wild West. Rolling Stone magazine says it's the history of the West they usually don't teach you. The mythology of the West left out a lot of the people. People said they'd never seen a black cowboy. This is the history book, but did you know about these other facts? Watch The Real Wild West now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Uh, primarily uh, protesting the uh, the lockdowns and the mandates and taking aim at uh, everyone from Joe Biden to our own crime minister to Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, but lately on Twitter, five times August, or Brad, uh, has been outing a lot of the uh, the hateful and vicious pro-vaccine, pro-mandate, pro-mask celebrities, many of them, uh, who wish death or harm on um, the unvaccinated or people that wanted to stand up for their own bodily autonomy. He's uh, found some of their old tweets and putting them out there and asking them, are you still good with this? People like Gene Simmons of Kiss, George Takai, formerly of Star Trek, Rod Stewart. They've all just expressed um, hatred, again, towards the, uh, the unvaccinated. We'll also open up the phone lines for a couple of segments this hour, 289-275-9600. You might want to get on board early, 289-275-9600. All right. Well, if the mainstream media hasn't already demonstrated that they are in the tank for the, uh, the Democratic Party in the United States, I think uh, that there isn't much room for doubt now, particularly in their coverage of the... Uh, apparently mentally ill, illegal alien who somehow snuck past the Secret Service and perhaps the, the California Highway Patrol and the San Francisco Police Department slipped into the, uh, the back door of the Pelosi household um, wearing underpants and um, where he proceeded to get into a bit of a melee with Nancy Pelosi's 82-year-old husband, Paul Pelosi. Now, the uh, mainstream media is trying to connect, if you'll believe it, David DePape, the assailant, with the, the Jan 6th insurrectionists. I know it takes some, uh, some pretty incredible mental gymnastics to do that, but they're trying their best. Here to discuss, Art Moore, author at WND and co-author of the bestseller, See Something, Say Nothing. Hey, Art, how are you? Hey, doing fine. Thanks, Richard. So just explain how I think it was uh, someone at was it uh, uh, CBS um, who was trying to connect David DePape with January 6th? Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, I I think uh, the president had already 
done that. But this is a CBS correspondent um, who was on this uh, panel with MSNBC and and speaking in very grave tones, you know, talking about history and and, and how he's seen uh, the, the way in which authoritarian regimes come about. And um, somehow this idea that uh, this this crazy guy who, uh, you know, is, has lived with uh, a, a very strange uh, nudist drug abusing uh, far left uh, family. And uh, by all accounts, according to people who have been interviewed, has is, is very uh, disturbed, is, is probably mentally ill. That somehow this guy you know, was was inspired by uh, ultimately, I guess, Donald Trump and, and his followers to uh, to go across the bay and go into the house of Paul Pelosi and um, say very, very strange things, according to at least according to the account of the uh, uh, FBI. Uh, but this this guy, the CBS reporter is, is honestly uh, saying, hey, because this guy allegedly said, where's Nancy? He comes into Paul Pelosi's house. Where's the House Speaker? Where is she? Well, apparently somebody uh, on January 6th said the same thing going into Nancy Pelosi's office. Where's Nancy? So there's a clear tie there, I guess. Uh, what what else with this, the official narrative, do you find troublesome? I mean, we've talked about, or I just mentioned how, you know, uh, he was able to slip past. I would presume that the Pelosi house would be protected. Nancy Pelosi, the third most powerful politician in Washington, after all, it would be protected by Secret Service. And I've, I've read also that the California Highway Patrol um, is in charge of, you know, or also has as one of its responsibilities protecting that home. Um, what, that the fact that he was able to avert all of the security and get into the house, what else is suspicious as far as you're concerned? Yeah. Well, let me just talk about that just for a minute, because, uh, you know, clearly there have been attacks on the Pelosi's, uh, uh, over the last uh, year or so. And, and even aside from that, uh, you, you would expect that there would be security there and all the neighbors in, in the area, uh, can confirm that, not only did they have you know, a very secure system, I mean, people can go out to you know the store and buy cameras easily. Uh, th- those were there, but also uh, security detail were regularly in the neighborhood. So that that raises a, a, a big question. But I, I, I think, you know, other issues are, are just the the conflict in 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 stories, um, the early reporting uh, you know, as to, uh, you know, was this guy in his underwear or was he not? Uh, and, and, uh, you know, how, how exactly did he get from his home across the bay there and somehow expect that he was going to, uh, kidnap Nancy Pelosi and take her home? You know, there's, it's, it's really, um, but, but the thing, why are we talking about this? I mean, it sounds crazy. Why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because, uh, from the president on down, it's been politicized by a party that is going into our big midterm elections. This is every, every two years we have these big elections. Uh, this is not a presidential election, but it's one where uh, Congress, the Senate and the House are, are up for grabs. And you've got inflation, you've got crime, you've got uh, the, the border crisis. You have all these big issues. There's really only two issues the Democrats have settled on, and one is abortion, the Roe v. Wade uh, overturn that took place earlier this year. And the other is uh, somehow uh, that uh, Donald Trump and his allies pose a threat to democracy. So this fits that narrative. That's 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 the only reason we're talking about it. We have to talk about it because we have to to dismantle this 
this narrative that that is is smearing uh, you know, probably more than half of of the population of the U.S. Right. So this is the Democrats' uh, October surprise. Now, if memory serves, or you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I know, but um, uh, two years ago in November, during the presidential election in October, isn't that when? The FBI infiltrated some radical group in Michigan and convinced them to try uh, this, uh, you know, attempt to kidnap Gretchen, uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Was that was that uh, it it was it was just before the election. And there are a lot of ties between that and what happened on January 6th. And uh, it, it clearly was an effort to to smear Donald Trump, because in the end, what the evidence is showing us is that the people involved in that case were largely FBI informants. And the person who was overseeing that FBI office there in Detroit is now in charge of the Washington field office, at least in terms of, of investigating January 6th. There's a lot of suspicious things there, but, uh, you know, clearly, you know, we can't, we can't trust the media. We can't trust the government. That That's the whole point here is, okay, in the end, maybe it turns out that, you know, this, this guy was inspired by Donald Trump somehow, I mean, in the end, he's still mentally disturbed, but but, you know, maybe there's there's something to it. But but the idea, you know, that it it uh, it, it can be used to uh, characterize this, you know, an entire movement to warn Americans that if you vote for Republicans, what you're voting for are people that don't respect democracy, that, that want to overturn elections and, and violently take charge of the country. Right. Yes. If you vote for uh, Lee Zeldin, uh, a man in underpants may show up at your your back door with a hammer. Uh, yeah, it, it really does defy uh, all credulity. And, and speaking of Lee Zeldin, you know, it's an interesting contrast because uh, this uh, individual, David DePape, that uh, that broke into the Pelosi. Well, uh, that's kind of an assumption, isn't it, that he broke into the uh, Pelosi home or wasn't or was he invited in? We don't know for sure Um, that he was charged with a federal crime and, uh, you know, no bail. The the, uh, individual that attacked U.S. uh, or uh, New York Congressman Lee Zeldin during a rally in July uh, was released the same day with, you know, no bail. Right. And no, no federal charges. And and so the what was the federal charge in this case? So there's parallel. There's San Francisco D.A. has uh, filed charges and, and so has the Justice Department. Well, because there's a law that says that protects U.S. officials. And this was seen as an attack on Nancy Pelosi and, uh, you know, a relative of U.S. official. OK, fine. But but what, what's happened is is that they've really taken control of the narrative and people are are reading off the script that the FBI has, has, has developed through interviewing this guy. And, and people have a good reason not to, not to trust the FBI because of what happened, over, especially over the past four years, with uh, colluding with the Obama administration to uh, breaking laws. You know, that, that, that's a fact, breaking laws to create this narrative that Donald Trump was trying to collude with Russia to win the election. Right. The same people that were involved in that were involved in the, the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping uh, case and also the Jan 6 so-called insurrection. You have the same names popping up again and again. Art Moore is with us, the author uh, of or co-author of See Something, Say Nothing and also author at WND, WND.com. Please uh, support independent media, WND.com. Art, we'll take a quick time out, come back and discuss further. Back with more of the Richard Sarah. Show right here on Saga 960. Stay with us. 
Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Art Moore stays with us from WND, co-author of See Something, Say Nothing. We're talking about the uh, media's coverage of the um, uh, assailant who attacked the Pelosi, uh, Paul Pelosi, and um, mainstream media trying to tie this to uh, try the to tie the attacker to uh, Donald Trump and the MAGA movement and even January 6th and so forth. We're also hearing that uh, um, one of the, the, the um, interesting things is there's been no security uh, video reve- uh, released, no uh, body cam footage from the, uh, the, the police. Uh, one would also suspect there would be uh, home security footage and Nancy Pelosi apparently is refusing to release that. What are you hearing? Yeah, that's what we're hearing. And uh, yesterday at the press conference where the San Francisco district attorney was announcing the charges, she was asked, uh, hey, what about the body cam footage? What about surveillance video? And she said, well, typically that comes out during a trial. And of course, it, it may be many, many months before there's a trial. But the thing is that what we've seen in the past in these very high profile cases where there's a lot of um yeah, you know, there, there's a political element to it, and and there's a lot of dispute about what happened. Often, it will be uh, customary to release that, uh, and and it may you know be you know only uh, you know certain segments of it, not the whole thing. But often, uh, it, it'll be seen as prudent to do that, and th- and that's not been done, and that clearly would be uh, something that uh, would just uh, you know dry up the story if, if this is nothing more than. Um, you know, uh, a, a break in or if it turns out, you know, that, um, you know, this guy was politically motivated and 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 we, you know, we have you know evidence of, of what he said and and that he did indeed break in, then, OK, uh, let's move on. But uh, clearly uh, uh, it, it does. It's, it's not proof, but it does seem very suspicious that that this would be a case in which they would not uh, release that information to dispel all of the uh, controversy. Right. It certainly raises some flags. Um, just very quickly, you also quote uh, a uh, an independent reporter and best-selling author by the name of Michael Schellenberger, who actually visited uh, the assailant's home in near in near Berkeley, California. What what did he say? Yeah, he he went out there and he he saw the scene. I mean, he saw this this place um, that is is very odd with a dilapidated uh, bus out in front where apparently the pape uh, stayed the night uh, often. And uh, he talked to neighbors for one thing and said, yeah, these people, they're they're far left, uh, not not just this, but they they also are, are known as, um, you know, drug addicts. And there's all kinds of weird stuff, people going in and out there. And and so, you know, he was able to. Uh, you know, create this picture of a person who is not mentally well. And then he spoke with I, I, he there, there's somebody actually there was he he cited also uh, a news report where um, this uh, ex, I guess, ex-girlfriend of DePape said, uh, yeah, this guy was not well. He came home one time and he thought he was Jesus. And uh, and then um, and 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 further, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting, you know, th- this whole thing about um Right wing, and he may very well, you know, buy into what are known as you know right wing conspiracies, and some of which may be true, but uh, that that's that's really what the the left is hanging their hat on. But it, it's very suspicious, though, that that two websites that he ran 
it, it looks like they were only uh, online for a couple of days. That would be, you know, last week. Uh, and uh, I, I, nobody can prove this, but uh, there has been some investigation of this. And so it's even in question, you know, wh- whether or not actually, he actually was a, a right wing conspiracy theorist. Right. As Schellenberg, I, as you say, interviewed neighbors. One of them said that the that um, DePape and I guess his uh, partner were all about black Black Lives Matter, gay pride. Uh, there was a, a gay pride flag flying with a, a cannabis a plant on the uh, on the flag uh, hardly hits the profile or fits the profile of um, a MAGA uh, Trump supporter. That's for sure. Art, uh, how do we get a copy of See Something, Say Nothing? Yeah, I think the best place is Amazon.com. Yeah, thank you, Richard. All right. Thank you, Art. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. The Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960. Back with more in a moment. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. 289-275-9600. The number to call, 289-275-9600. And uh, just a little bit later this hour, just a reminder, five times August, talented. I, I put him in a mold of uh, the uh, Bob Dylan. Five times August, otherwise known as Brad Skistimus, will be here. And uh, he's got a brand new LP coming out. I think it's still available as a pre-order. It's called The Silent War, just filled with great protest songs, protesting mandates and loss of civil liberties and um, to pointing out the um, the malfeasance of people like Dr. Anthony Fauci and Joe Joe Biden and our own Prime Minister, uh, but lately he has been on Twitter outing a lot of these vicious and hateful, uh, many of them celebrities, people like Adele, George Takei from Star Trek, Rod Stewart, Gene Simmons from Kiss, and others. Hateful and vicious uh, tweets that they made previously concerning the unvaccinated. So, Brad Skistimus, five times August, will be here shortly. 289-275-9600. And let's begin with uh, Martin is joining us. Hey, Martin, welcome. Welcome to Saga 960. How are you? Uh, yeah, good afternoon, uh, Richard. Um, you know what? I would like to talk about uh, two things uh, very briefly. You were uh, mentioning before um, uh, this afternoon about the recycling when somebody was mentioning on the station. Yes. And I witnessed that twice. Not once. It's not coincidence. Um, uh, it was summertime. It was uh, night. So I am out there doing something, you know, on my electronics. I'm sitting along the Blue Street, uh, not very far from downtown. It's a very busy, of course, uh, street, but it's uh, in the middle of the night. Comes recycling truck, gentleman jumps off the right side of the cab, standing there, right, driving, slides uh, the big slide on the side right behind the cab, opens the receptacle, which is issued by City of Toronto, and you have like three compartments over there for the uh, waste and for the recycling and another recycling, okay? And all is going, all three uh, bins are going into the same opening in the dump truck, and it's closed, and it's compacted, and it's just going further. You know? In other words... And it happened not long. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, The Real Wild West. Rolling Stone magazine says it's the history of the West they usually don't teach you. The mythology of the West left out a lot of the people. People said they'd never seen a black cowboy. This is the history book, but did you know about these other facts? Watch The Real Wild West now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. In other words, Martin, what you witnessed was the garbage collection. They were taking the uh, recyclable um, material, the plastics and tin cans and so forth, dumping them in the same compartment with the organics, the compost material, in other words, and the regular garbage. So they're not even recycling. It's all a ruse, is what you're saying. It is. Absolutely sham. Absolutely sham. Happened twice when I noticed, you know, and it was just proof to me. And it was done routinely, so it's not like a gentleman decided, you know, that he's going to simply mix them together. He had no other choice anyway. He just opens one compartment and everything is going into the one uh, space. The other thing I would like to speak about is that I have heard that a member of European Parliament was calling for the President of European Parliament to resign because that person, I believe it's a lady ordered with some kind of without proper consultation a huge number of these uh, so-called uh, uh, vaccines or those jobs okay that I call it brew um, for Europeans and they spend like billions and billions of dollars uh, without proper in consultation um, uh, lots, of, lots of no no euros okay billions and billions of euros on, on these uh, so-called vaccines and uh, I don't hear any unless a Gatsi member of European Parliament I heard his speech it's a gentleman and he was outright calling for resignation of the president because of this now good people I have good ears good hearing and good um, sight is yet and I, I don't hear anything in Canadian Parliament screaming that uh, Justin Trudeau is supposed to order uh, 500 million uh, jobs for Canadians there is uh, 37 million Canadians and when I was making my little arithmetics it comes to not 10 as a European Union 10 jobs per soul living in European Union but 13 and a half jobs per soul living in backwoods Canada yeah I know we have we have talked about that on on the show with uh, Kelly Brown Martin um, the the number of vaccines that uh, the government is on the hook for and some of those have already been ordered and arrived delivered and, and used um, some of them are still sitting, I guess, in a refrigerator, uh, quickly approaching their best before date. So they'll have to be tossed out. 
Uh, that's right. There were enough. You're saying it's um, like 13 doses per Canadian. I think Kelly Brown mentioned something around 11, but it might be 13. I'm not sure. Yeah, we're on the hook for a lot of those. So could that have something to do with uh, the prime minister being and public health being in such a panic to push these vaccines? Now, uh, regarding the um, president of the European Union, I, I haven't heard that. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there are there is a contingent of European uh, members of parliament that have been very outspoken. And um, uh, we've seen them on, on Twitter and YouTube, of course, talking about the fact that this director at Pfizer basically admitted in her testimony that the Pfizer vaccine was not tested to reduce transmission. Uh, and and as, you, as you say, total silence from the, uh, the lamestream media. Martin, thanks for the call. We'll uh, continue to take your calls when we uh, come back right after this. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. The Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Let's say hello to, uh, I think it's Richard calling from, is it Hamilton? Richard, welcome to Saga, 960. Yes, hi, speaking. Hi there. You're, yes, I greatly... Yes, I'm glad to hear you uh, criticize our our leader. It's uh, healthy for democracy to have some dissension, to hear some other voices, of course. And I really enjoy listening to you on Coast. I appreciate that. Very much. Did you audition for that, or did they approach you? Or was <laughs> did I audition for Coast to Coast? No, they actually uh, Yeah. They approached me. They thought it would, would be kind of neat, I guess, to have a Canuck or a Canadian uh, sitting in the Coast Air <laughs> Chair from time to time. Uh, the vice president of Coast oh, okay. to Coast at that time, or the, sorry, the vice president at Premier uh, Radio happened to be from Montreal, and I've forgotten his name, um, something Oliver. Oh. Anyway, he thought it would be interesting to have oh. someone from Canada as a guest host occasionally. So there you go. All right, Richard, you're calling oh, well, from Hamilton? One other little thing. Yeah. Yes, that's right. One other thing. I, it bothers me we don't have any more whistleblowers in uh, government, or we don't seem to. Hear them. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, Hear from them. Yeah. Well, I guess they're um, they're more concerned about uh, you know their careers, putting bread on the table. I mean, in some ways, you can't blame them. Uh, I don't know that we have sort of the whistleblower protection uh, that they used to have in the United States. That seems to have sort of gone by the boards now. Um, we saw a number of high profile whistleblowers during the, the uh, Obama administration that were uh, jailed or forced into exile. Um, but you're right. We don't see, and if they do come forward, here's the other problem. If they do come forward as whistleblowers, uh, they're sort of quickly dismissed or ignored by the mainstream media. So it's kind of a two-part thing. You, it takes two, right? You've got to have the whistleblower come forward, and then you've, they have to have someone to take their, their story to. Uh, and if the media is not interested, then where do they go? They go to an independent or a, a, a citizen journalist, if you will, uh, and, and then they're dismissed as it's disinformation and misinformation. It's, it's very difficult now uh, to come forward with with inside information. Nobody, nobody seems interested in reporting it. Yes, of course. Could I add one little thing? Sure. 
My sister, my youngest sister, Jane, was telling me she went to Yugoslavia years ago. It was, well, Croatia. And she was saying, uh, she was there in the marketplace, and she saw this van pull up. And a couple of guys in, in uh, suits grabbed some guy from the crowd, threw him in the van, and took off. And as a Canadian, she was, she was totally shocked, and everybody uh, just was kind of stunned, and things went back to normal. Okay. Well, I think we don't have that sort of thing happening here just yet. <laughs> just yet. Just yet. Yes. Richard, great call. Thank you for it. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Again, five times August. Brad Skissim is standing by. He'll join us a little bit later. His uh, new LP, Silent War, coming out. Just every track is just gold, as far as I'm concerned. And um, there's even a song in there about our very own crime minister. It's called Just in Time. And most of these songs have to do with, I think all of them actually have to do with the pandemic and vaccine mandates and loss of liberty and so forth, uh, our blinding trust in institutions and um, the collection available on LP and CD. He'll be here to tell us about it, but uh, he's also just on fire on Twitter. Five times August is going after all of these celebrities, finding out, finding some of their old tweets at the height of the pandemic when they were going after the um, the unvaccinated and uh, just filled with with hate and vitriol, wishing harm and in some cases death on the unvaccinated. So um, we'll get his uh, his comments here shortly. Two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred. I had an email from someone complaining that I'm I'm taking calls in the program now. <laughs> someone suggested, "Oh, you're now catering to the lowest common denominator." I thought, "Come on, this is a talk show." It's live radio. It's a talk show. I mean, what what talk show doesn't take calls? I mean, we didn't for the longest time because we, quite frankly, uh, we didn't have the capability just because, you know, I'm doing the show from a remote location. Now we have the capability. Why wouldn't we take calls? Of course, I want to hear from listeners. Of course, I want your opinions. Yes, occasionally. Some, you know, I don't really heavily, we don't screen the calls. So occasionally maybe someone gets through that's, uh, I don't know, what, off the mark? Isn't very interesting? It's going to happen. It's live radio. But I love the fact that we can take calls. 289-275-9600. And we'll continue to take calls each and every day. All right, Brad Skistimus, five times August, standing by. We'll get to that conversation right after these. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. Sad little man sitting deep in a lie. He's dead in his soul, but I'll keep you alive. Do what he says, not what he do. Cause the truth is for him and the lie is for you Sad little man, but he's treated like a god As the faithless prayer to a fake and a fraud Worship the man, pledge to his word One shot, two shot, now you get a third Sad little man, sad little man You better run now while you know you can Sad little man, sad little man You don't fool me There you go. Five times August and sad little man 
from his uh, forthcoming LP, Silent War. Brad Skissimus from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Great to have you back, Brad. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing, Richard? Very well. Just uh, give us the details uh, on um, the the LP. This is like uh, available as a pre-order right now. And uh, what's happening? Well, so it's been available for a pre-order for about uh, two weeks now. And it's I've been slowly starting to mail them out as of last week. So the CDs are going out and the digital version actually came out today. So it's out now wherever digital music is sold. So. Fantastic. And the vinyl, I'm waiting for the vinyl, excited about the vinyl. That's, is it going to be released as, as white vinyl? Yeah. So this is the first time I've ever had any music on vinyl. I'm really excited about it, but we did a small little crowdfunding campaign for it and we reached our goal and that's available until November 11th. If you want to get on that, there's still probably be like two to 300 copies and then that's, that's it. So it'll be a cool little collector's item. Uh, five times august.com five times august.com uh, the website yeah. and um, what are there about 15 about 15 tracks on there aren't there uh, there's 12 tracks 12. yeah there's 12 tracks and there's actually a couple bonus tracks on the Bandcamp edition on my website that uh, I tacked on there there's a cover of Tom Petty's uh, won't back down and then a version of the Star Spangled banner that i recorded recently ah, nice. a couple little bonus tracks yeah nice and again all just terrific um songs you're a real songsmith and these are all very much sort of in the tradition of bob dylan or all the great protest songs of the 60s which so sadly lacking uh, these days when we need this kind of music the most so i wanted to talk about what's happening with you on twitter lately you are on fire brad you're going after <laughs> uh, an outing um all of these, some of them are celebrities, some are not, some are public uh, health officials and so forth that have uh, really in the past and even currently expressing their vitriol and disdain uh, for uh, the unvaxxed or anyone who doesn't just blindly go along with or didn't blindly go along with uh, various mandates and so forth. And uh, sadly, a lot of them, um, musicians, kind of, you know, rock heroes of days gone by. Right. Yeah, that was one of the great disappointments of this whole period for me growing up um, as a just a fan of most of these people. And uh, I think that we're just at a crossroads now where, um, you know, enough information has come out. Nobody really has an excuse to keep moving forward with this lie and this sham. And I think that we have to go back and pull these comments out and say, do you still stand with this? Because people need to be held accountable. And I think that's the first step is this is the last you know, this is the last line where you have a chance to, you know, uh, attempt uh, a reconciliation and you're either going to double down and you're going to commit to the evil that has happened or you're going to start to uh, attempt a repentance for what has happened across the world. And I, I just, you know, a lot of these celebrities are put up on a pedestal. I think that uh, they're just people, you know, and they use their platform in the wrong way. And I think that now they need to come back around and, and just sort of answer for themselves. Right. Uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss, um, you reposted one of his old tweets, basically talking about, you know, how the unvaccinated have no right to, to walk around in public with the rest of us. Uh, Rod Stewart used some pretty hateful language, calling the unvaxxed, I think, killers and savages. Um, right. Adele 
Adele. Um, you, you retweeted uh, George Takai from Star Trek. Uh, sure. So many of them. Um, it's it's interesting. Now, recently, Atlantic uh, Magazine published a piece by, and I'm not sure if this was your uh, latest thing on Twitter, is was inspired by this piece by Emily Oster, I think her name is. And she wrote a piece called How It's Time for Amnesty. You know, uh, it's time for the for the pro-mandate and the anti-mandate people to come together. Let's forgive and forget, uh, which I thought was kind of rich, given, you know, it's kind of hard to to uh, forgive someone if they haven't even acknowledged their sins. Right. Yeah. And that, that is uh, sort of the catalyst that pushed me over the edge to just start going on this tirade because um, it is rich, you know, I mean, these people have said some of the worst things that we've seen, uh, you know, they pulled the worst out of humanity over the last three years. And the idea that we'll just sort of, turn the other way and mosey on um, people's lives were ruined. People were shamed and blamed. They were ostracized, kicked out of their communities. Um, and it, it doesn't work that way. You don't just say, Hey, Hey, you know, let's just, uh, let's just move along from this. Somebody has to answer for this. And, and it goes across the board, whether you're neighbors, whether you're a celebrity or whether you are the people in charge like Fauci, I mean, everybody needs to sort of respond now and go, okay, what did we just do to each other? And there needs to be apologies. You know, it doesn't just, it's not, you don't just turn your head away from the situation and pretend like nothing ever happened. Um, I mean, this was a, 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 just a very violent, hateful time in our history and um, something that we've never experienced in our lifetime, in our, in our, this generation. And, um, yeah, that, that really set me off yesterday. And so, you know, to me, my response is, no, I don't think so. There will be no amnesty. Right. I, um, Mike Cernovich, who I follow on Twitter, is a, a filmmaker, documentary filmmaker and a conservative commentator. And I thought he also had a brilliant comment. And that is, you know, who asks for mercy? It's, it's often abusers, right? When they start to lose power, then all of a sudden it's, uh, please, please have mercy. Uh, yeah. you know, and um, that's exactly who we're dealing with here. Abusers, as you as you right. so, uh, eloquently point out in this uh, terrific thread, five times August at five times August on Twitter uh, to follow him at five times August. And of course, Silent War is available. The brand new LP, also the um, the CD version, and uh, how else is it available digitally? We've got digital. Yeah, it's out digitally. It's on CD and vinyl, and um, I kind of want to say cassette soon. <laughs> that would be pretty cool, but it's not on cassette yet. Um, but I'm old school like that. I really like to. I like people to hold this album. It's it's an album that I put a lot of time and effort and attention to the details and the artwork. Something that you can hold and read the lyrics to, and sort of bring back that old um, style of listening to music where you put on a record and just sort of listen to it top to bottom. Yes, it's got the, the, the gatefold. It's got uh, liner notes, just like the old the LPs that we remember uh, and used to store in our milk crates as uh, as teenagers. It's terrific. Every track on there is just golden. Uh, great work, Brad. And I can't wait to receive my uh, my white vinyl in the mail. Thank you so much, as always. Fantastic. Well, thanks for your support, Richard. And I want you to know that your name is listed in the thank you notes. I really appreciate all your support. Uh, over the last last year and a half and uh appreciate you being a champion for these songs and giving them a voice on the show well i'm honored i'm honored thank you so much 
fivetimesaugust.com to order. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody and Declan and Jacob. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. We all love the low country lifestyle, which is why we should do our best to protect it. To get insurance that helps you protect your home from whatever the low country throws at you, contact CT Lounge and Company today. Their local agents can review your coverage to help make sure you're properly protected. CT Lounge and Company has been helping protect and insuring the low country since 1850. Visit ctlounds.com to learn more and request a quote. That's ctlounds.com.